Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses to a brand new series that we're starting, a five-week series. The series is entitled Overwhelmed. Come on, I want to welcome all of them. Let's just welcome them right now. All of you guys, South Shore, Gulf Coast, online, so excited to have you guys with us. We are kicking off uh, a series that I personally uh, have been looking forward to uh, really the last six months. You know, we plan out a year calendar and uh, a preaching calendar, different Bible books that we're going to do, different things, and uh, particularly this series. Something about this series, because it, it begins by asking a question. And here's the question, and I want to ask you guys, how are you doing? Now, now I want you to think about that just for a moment. The typical response to something like that is, man, pretty good, you know, things are going okay, and now, if you're really hitting it out the park professionally, you'll definitely emphasize that. But, but, but how many people ever are transparent and go, do you really want to know? Can you pause and give me a couple minutes? That person that asks the question like, I'm sorry, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I understand social interaction. I believe there's a certain uh, value, of course, to be attached to having manners and class and just niceties of how you doing, good to see. I appreciate all of that. But I also understand that we've also developed this veneer, this sheen, this, this thing where we've emphasized the external, but we've underemphasized the internal. So let me rephrase it this way. Here it is. This will be a little bit more pointed, and I think we'll go a little bit deeper. Here's my question. How's your stress been? How about your anxiety level? You guys been feeling anxious lately? Okay, let me get real pointy. You guys ready? Here it is. Going deep. Here it is. How's your fear been lately? You been fearful about anything? Worried? Concerned? Oh, man, I, wow. Uh, Pastor, uh, uh, man, just to be totally honest. See, here, here's what I want to submit. I believe the circumstances that we all face, fact is, we face some circumstances that are big. I mean, Jesus said it this way. Look, in this world, you and I are going to face some stuff. Now, that's my translation. He said, you're going to go through some stuff. In other words, there's going to be shifts. There's going to be economic things. There's going to be some relational shift. There's going to be some things with children. There's going to be some financial things. But, but, here's what he said. In this world, we can still overcome. Now, I want to submit the theme for our five-week series. By the way, I'm going to be teaching the book of Joshua after that. Very excited about that. But here's the theme. Here it is. I believe that all of us at times get overwhelmed and live in a constant state of being overwhelmed. Now, here it is. Because our lives are out of order. See, here it is. Every single one of us are going to deal with circumstances that can produce some of those emotions where we get a little bit overwhelmed. But those that are able to navigate through it, those that don't quit, those that don't throw in the towel, there's something of a sustainability to their life because their lives, well, let me just say it, their lives, their lives are in order. 
It's interesting. I remember when I was in seminary, I remember the, uh, evaluating the professor put up actually on the board, and he talked about a Greek, a Greek understanding of life versus a Jewish understanding related to the Old Testament and New Testament. He said, the Greeks understood life to be this way. Basically, they disconnected the mind from the body, and there was this huge chasm, and it was highly intellectual, and feeling was not appreciated at all. The Jewish people, in other words, they connected the mind, the emotions, the body, and every part of who. In other words, they were holistic in their understanding of life. Now, why is that important? 2010, I mentioned this three weeks ago. By the way, I got more feedback. I did a message three weeks ago on how to overcome depression. I got more feedback. Church of the King started 19 years ago. A small group of us started it together. I never, I can't remember getting more feedback from a message. So thank you so much. It helps so many people because that's where so many people live. And the fact is, is that depression is a real thing. Well, one of the things that I learned in 2010, I was very transparent a couple weeks ago about this. In 2010, I went through a terrible burnout. I mean, it, it was just, it was horrible. And one of the things I learned is that you cannot disconnect your spiritual life from your emotional life, from your intellectual life, and from your physical life. In other words, I was reading my Bible. I was praying. I thought everything was well, but I was neglecting my, my emotional side. See, I, do, I really do believe most people are overworked and undernourished in their souls. I believe the neglect on the emotional life, the, 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 the neglect on the relationships. We, 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 we forfeit so much in this side because we think that we're doing well on that side. And I saw an interconnectedness so what I want to do for five weeks is I want to teach you guys biblically, holistically, how, how the Bible puts it together. The Bible puts our emotional life, our spiritual life, our intellectual life, our physical life, that, 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 that it's not like the body's evil and the spirit is good. God has called us one. We are to love the Lord thy God with all thy what? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're to love God with our bodies, with our souls, with our, with our, our minds as, as well. So, to illustrate that, 2008, I went to uh, Israel for the first time. I want to encourage you guys, if you've never had an opportunity to go to Israel, it is an incredible experience. So, uh, I want to just make a little bit of an admission here. I am a, uh, I'm a, like, very big packer, like, I'm an overpacker. Any overpackers here? My wife says I have a spirit of fear, meaning that I overpack because I'm always scenario planning, thinking that, you know, something may happen. And so I, I overpack. I'm a notorious overpacker. I was excited because we got our packing list for Israel, and I, I had all of the things down what you needed to get. And one of the things that they said is that you need some shoes to walk that we're going to go into some areas that may be a little bit more of a terrain that's a little bit, you know, there's some things where, so, so think about, think about wearing a little bit more of a rugged shoe. I knew we weren't going on a hiking trip, but we, we were, after all, going to do some sightseeing where we're going to climb some things. And so I, I went to a store and got, not hiking boots, but they, they were hiking shoes, but they, were, they, they, did, they weren't up on, on, too tall. And, and, and I was excited about that. These are awesome. After about two days of wearing those in Israel, I, I, I noticed something that my, that my right foot was hurting. And I thought to myself, wow, man, that's kind of interesting. And I, and I thought, I was trying to put it together. Is this connected to my, to my shoes? 
So I thought, my gosh, I mean, I paid all this money. These are, these are really nice shoes. And so the third day, my foot was hurt. The fourth day, my foot was hurting a little bit. Fifth day, sixth day, of course, I tell my kids, let's push through, you know, so I got to actually do what I'm telling them. So I just, I just push through. Come on, Steve, you can do it. Push through day 10. By day 10, I mean, I'm like limping. All right? Finally get back, take the shoe off, and, and never put it on again. But the point is, watch this. Two months later, my left knee starts hurting. Now, that was my right foot, my left knee. I'm like, man, why is my left knee starting there? I know what some of y'all think. Pastor, you're getting old. Just hang on. (laughs) Not that old. But anyway, so... So my knee starts hurting. So I go to the physical therapist. I sit down with the physical therapist. Here's what the physical therapist said. Have you had any, like, you know, extenuating circumstance where you've had, like, impact or a wreck or this or just any just negative things? I said, well, have you chased any kids around the house? Well, I've done that, but I didn't catch them. But, but, but is there anything that you, have you hit? Did you hit your knee? I said, I'll be honest. I, I didn't hit my knee. Has there been any part of your body that's been hurting recently? I said, just to be honest, this sounds weird, but yeah, my right foot. Matter of fact, my right foot was hurting in Israel. I was walking for 10 days, and he goes, oh, okay, I got it. I'm like, what'd you get? (laughs) Because your right foot was hurting, you started to overcompensate on your left leg, and because you started overcompensating, you actually put pressure on your knee. I said, let me get this straight. My right foot impacted my left knee. Because that's exactly what happened. What's the analogy? How does that apply to us? What we don't realize is, is that at times when our lives get out of whack, and at times when we think we're hitting it out the park professionally, at times we think, man, everything's going great over here. But what we don't realize is that we're, we're overcompensating because we're putting so much here, we're actually neglecting over here. What we don't realize is you cannot disconnect your emotional life from your spiritual life, from your physical life, from, from, from your intellectual life, from your relational life. They're all connected together. Amen. Let me give you another analogy. So 99% of us drove to church today, right? I mean, there's some people that live around the campuses, whether here at Little Creek or the South Shore campus or, or the golf course. You, you may have walked, but, but, but the overwhelming majority, we drove to church in our car. Now, we know this, that if our car starts going a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left, we know this. The first thing that we ask ourselves is, hmm, I wonder if my what, say it, tires are out of what? Balance. One tire, one side. I had a friend of mine in our church that, that uh, we went hunting one time and I'm, I'm, I like to go hunting, and he brought me. He says, he says Pastor, i got to tell you something. And we, we're going in his truck. He goes, I'm going to drive. He says, I, I, I just, I just want to warn you that this truck, it's happened three times. But what happens is my big tires are out of alignment. I'm going to go get it fixed. But what will happen is don't freak out. But it'll, 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 it'll start shaking, and, and it'll start pretty violently for about 10 seconds. I'm like, can I drive? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, and he said, no, 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 you won't be able to make it because your tires, I mean, it's a big truck, you need four wheel, you don't have four wheel. I said, okay, 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 that's fine, it's fine, it's fine. 
We go for three days, no problems, it's awesome. We're, listen, I'm sleeping, it's 12.30 at night, all right? We're by the Robert exit, right? We passed Hammett, and I'm just kind of sleeping, just laying before the Lord, you know, just enjoying God's presence. It's just amazing. I think we had worship. It was awesome, you know. And all of a sudden, the car started like this. And I'm not joking. I'm not making this up. This is not hyperbole. This is not just exaggerating. I, I mean, this literally, it was like, it started a little bit like this. It was, it was so rad. It was like, ah! And, and I, I thought the car, I, literally, I'm not joking. I thought, this is something bad's going to happen any second. It's going to blow up. He told me, I said this was going to happen. I said, not like this. I mean, like, I was kind of aggravated about it. It was, it was, I was I'm, try, I'm in counseling today. Oh, because of that. Okay, not, to, no, not totally. But, but the point is, it was, it was, it was, it was. His tires out of balance. We wonder what happens when, when, when our lives are cruising along and everything going well, and all of a sudden it starts small. And then, what's going on? How does it happen when somebody's at the top of their career? How does that happen? And in the moment when everything should be going well, everything should be fantastic. Whether it's a businessman or woman, whether it's a whether it's a preacher, whether it's a sports fan, whether whatever it is, and the very circumstances they're dealing with, it's not like they're so unique and so different. There's other people that have faced it. The difference is the reason why they're overwhelmed and they can't get out. It's because their lives are they're out of balance. I want to talk to you today. Matter of fact, this month, I want to talk to you about how we can build sustainable, healthy life habits, how we can build a life, how we can build a healthy life, how we can do it biblically, how, how, how we don't have to give in. We, we don't have to, 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 to go by way of breaking down, burning out. We, we, don't, we, don't, we, we, we can live differently. But the fact is, we've got to be wiser. We've got to be smart. Why is that? Because let me tell you something. The thing of culture is, it has changed. Listen to me closely. The stress has gone up. Why? Because we're so engaged with life. We've got phones. We've got internet. We've got, we've got information coming at us. Can you imagine? Can you imagine 100 years ago? The difference of life was then versus today. Can you imagine all the emotions that run through your body today, all the adrenaline surges? You know what an adrenaline drip is? Every time you, you, have, you have that, you know every time you get an email you get an, you get, and you hear that, it's a, it, it's a little thing on the all, all the access that we have, the sensory overload in our minds, our hearts, our emotions, our physical body, all those chemicals and, and all of that stuff. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. How do we respond? How do we respond and not be, live overwhelmed? I, I, matter of fact, I got some statistics. 44% of Americans feel more stressed today than five years ago. Not 100 years ago. Today, 44%. One in five Americans experience extreme stress, shaking, heart palpitations, and depression. 20% of our country. Stress is the basic cause of 60% of human illness and disease. It's the cause. Listen, three out of four primary care doctor visits are stress-related. Listen to this. 40% 
of stressed people overeat or eat unhealthy foods. One of the things that I had to realize in my life, and I'll be honest, one of the things that I deal with is when I get super stressed, I'll eat, I'll stress eat. Matter of fact, late at night, I'm just kind of stressed about something. There's something about a bag of barbecue chips. Can I have some type of witness? I mean, I, it's, it's kind of, I'm serious, so I, but I realize that about me. I think it's a correlation. I think it's kind of funny, but I think there's a correlation where it can become dangerous. Why? Because an unhealthy habit that seems small, it can build. How are you dealing with life? So, so, so now we rephrase it. Now we reframe it. So how are you doing? How are you really doing? Are you medicating the stress in your life through alcohol abuse, drug abuse, purchasing abuse? Food abuse. All of us, we all have little things that we have to be so, so, so sober about. No pun intended. We've got to be wise. Why? Because, because the, 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 the pain level, here's what happens. Stress level goes up. The pain level goes up. So stress goes up. Pain goes up. So how are we dealing with it? So let me rephrase it. How are you doing? How are you really doing in your soul? I want to talk to you this month about three things. Number one, I want to talk to you about how to build healthy habits healthy habits and rhythms in our life. Number two, I want to talk to you about something three times in 19 years I've taught about this, and it's something that is so important. I want to mention in this series, I want to talk about understanding the principle of margin. And number four, I want to talk about the principles of rhythms, understanding the seasons and the flows of life. All right, I'm going to ask you to take your notes out uh, here at Little Creek or our South Shore Campus, Gulf Coast, those that are joining us online or Facebook Live, there's notes, of course, on the screen. I want to talk to you about, number one, how do you build healthy life patterns? How do you build healthy life patterns? Many times, it's directly compared. Listen, connected to an unhealthy life is connected to unhealthy life patterns. First, here's what happens. You start a habit. A habit becomes a pattern you for, this is so interesting. That pattern then begins to define who you are based upon the outworkings of how it works in your life. You have a small thing, it becomes a big thing. You have a small habit, a small pattern. It grows bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It may seem benign, but then it can beguile you. Why? It lies to you and promises you something it can't deliver on. Unhealthy habits. Unhealthy habits. I can't tell you the times as a pastor that I've sat down and I don't think I'm the best counselor in the world. I, I'll be honest. I get real hyped up and I start blowing the whistle on people. What? What are you talking about? You know, but, but I will say this. I can't tell you the times when I've looked at somebody's life that has been busted. Listen to me. And they say, Pastor, I don't know what happened. I was doing so well professionally. Everything was going so well and Things were happening and my business and just fill in the blank. I mean, you could just change the name, change the face, change the name, change. I can't tell you the times. And what happened was is, Pastor, I hit this moment and it's just like my life just started came, coming, coming unglued. Now watch this. Very, very important. You can't disconnect your professional and your personal life. You, you can't overemphasize one and neglect the other through poor life choices and habits. See, what happens is, is that we get deceived because, because we present ourselves externally speaking. Nobody really knows what's going on in the hidden places of our heart. But you know what's going on based upon what's happening in the external realm, right? You get the applause. Everybody knows you're hitting out. You're a salesperson. You're killing it. 
You're killing it, but some things are killing you. So nobody knows what's killing you, but everybody knows you're killing it. Does that make sense? I had a conversation a couple months ago. I said, Pastor, it's incredible. I don't know how this happened. But I was doing this, and these things were happening, and then this started falling out. Let me tell you, I want to suggest something to you. Again, I appreciate social media. I'm not, I'm not on a lot of social media. i got one little thing I do, but, 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 but I, I appreciate it. But, but I'm going to tell you something. The evaluation of the external is dangerous. The emphasis in the Bible is never on the external. It's always overemphasizing the internal secret life of a man or a woman. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you a scripture that I, I, I was putting this together, and I, I, I've, I've read it for years, and I've preached it. I was an evangelist for 10 years, but I think there's actually a double meaning to it. Let me read it. Jesus, the words of Jesus. Here's, here's what Jesus said. You guys ready? He says, what does it profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world? They make a huge difference, an impact, but they lose their own soul. Or what will a man exchange for his soul? Now, let me give you the traditional understanding of that verse that I preach, and I still believe it's appropriate, and I still preach it from this angle. Number one, I believe that Jesus is talking about what does it profit a person if they do a bunch of things, have a bunch of things in this earthly life, when they die, they don't know Christ if they lose their soul for eternity. That's the initial interpretive understanding of that verse. Let me give you a secondary meaning. What does it profit a man or a woman if they do a lot of amazing things in this life if they lose their soul in this life? What does it profit a person if they're professionally succeeding but personally failing? Nobody likes to be around them. Their emotions are around. I've been there before. I know what I'm talking about. Where your emotions are so toxic and your soul and your, and your feelings are, ah, and you're there and you're, what, what's, what's, what does it profit a person? Yeah. Well, I tell you, when you start getting down to this level, you start asking yourselves the question, I, 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 I've, I've, I've been there before. Pastoring a church and building buildings and raising a young family and doing all the stuff. And pastor, thank you. You're helping me. Oh, man, things are great. Oh, pastor, thank you. It's a great message. But inside, the, 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 the disparity, the incongruency between professional success and personal failure where your emotions, you feel like you're a wreck. Are you with me? Where you feel like, how can this be? And there's such a, there's such a dichotomy between the external and the internal. Yeah, it's amazing. Facebook can't look at that. It doesn't look, it doesn't evaluate that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I've been there before. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Where you're raising money and you're counseling people and you're building teams and you're building buildings and you're preaching every week and you're writing a dissertation every week that you have to defend and you're graded on in an instant fashion as a pastor. Are you with me? Pastor was okay. He got a, it was about a five today. Thank you for that. God bless you. I hope you go to heaven early. God bless you. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought it. I should have just said it. Jesus said it. Do it. That was terrible. 
I think most of us live overworked and undernourished lives. We put such an emphasis on the external. Nothing wrong with that. I believe in professional success, making an impact, being on top of your game. God wants you to win. I get all of that. But not at the expense of your soul. Not your, your soul. What does it profit a woman? She hits it out the park professionally, but she loses her soul right now. Right here. There's no quality to your life right now. Right now. Yeah. It goes back to habits. Those little habits. Those little things. You make your habits, then your habits make you. I, I went to Florida a couple weeks ago, and I always love going once a year to Destin if we had the opportunity to do that. And we went, I went from a Monday to a Friday, and it's interesting. I'm a parent that is very careful about, and I'm actually a little bit like a nervina about, and rightly so, the, the, the flags, you know, and what the wave currents are. I mean, I'm serious, man. I'm just, I remember my kids, I mean, if anything past yellow, don't go past your ankles. And that's appropriate. You know, there's just a lot of wisdom with that. And the reason why is I've seen people drown, number one. But number two, years ago, I was out with some friends. They had two red flags. And man, I thought it was a blast. We went off, and our friends are right here. We went off, and we were probably 100, 200 yards out. And we're just hanging out. We got a football out there playing. And the next thing you know, I look up, and I kind of look back, and I realize, and we were probably 150 yards down. I mean, like that. And then I got caught. I got caught in one of those rip currents. If you've ever legitimately been caught in a rip current, I'm not talking about just a big wave. It will scare you to death, literally. I got caught in this thing, and it was like, I mean, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is it. This is what happens. And I got spit out about 300 yards down, thank God. And one of the things I realized is it's very similar to life. We're just kind of going along, going along, kind of some negative habits, some unhealthy patterns of thinking, of feeling, of interrelating with people, and it's just kind of a little, little unhealthy, a little unhealthy there, a little unhealthy eating, a little bit unhealthy here, a little bit toxic, allowing some stuff into our brain we should, a little bit of too much comparison with other people. I mean, all of us compare at some level, but too much. It's a toxicity attached to it. And then next thing you know, you, you find yourself, how did I end up over here? Unhealthy habits. Let me give you the second thing we're going to be talking about is this is understanding margin. I've taught three times in 19 years on this. Matter of fact, I got an email. One of you guys, a lady emailed me this week. She goes, Pastor, I remember a series you did similar to this. It sounds like, based upon the theming of it, you did it the month before Katrina. You didn't get to finish it because of Katrina. I'm hoping for a better outcome. Can I have an amen? <laughs> amen. Praise God. So I've taught this principle three times in 19 years, but it's so critical. What is margin? Let me start by saying this. And this is something we're talking about, how to live a healthy, sustainable life. Remember this. My, I want to submit to you. I want to suggest that people are overwhelmed because they're out of whack. They're overwhelmed, because, not because of their circumstance. All of us deal with circumstances, but you're overwhelmed because you're out of balance. You're over so your inability to navigate life over here is directly connected to what's going on here. Here. So margin. Everybody say margin. So what is margin? Margin is the space between here it is, your load, what you're carrying, and your limit, what your capacity is. 
The good thing is, is when you have margin is, watch this, you're carrying less than what you can carry, which means you've got reserves. Let me give you an example. You see this? Here's my Bible. All the campuses look at this as important. All right? Pretty nice to look at. Yeah? Pretty nice? You like it? Here we go. Nice to look at because the publishers had enough sense to put some white space or some what? Everybody say it. Margins. But it would be entirely different read if there was words from the very edge all the way over and there was no margins. It would be displeasing, aesthetically speaking. And yet that's how a lot of people live. We cram so many activities into so many parts of the day that, that, that we're 30 minutes late for the doctor's appointment because we were 20 minutes late dropping the kids off because we were 10 minutes late dropping our deposit slip off so our bank didn't, our checks didn't bounce. And so, of course, we're doing it online now, but we couldn't find the extension cord, so our phone was dead, so we couldn't get attached to that because we have no margin in our lives. We have no margin. And for a while, we're kind of prideful by the fact that we have no margin because it makes us feel significant and adequate as human beings, right? Because we're human. Oh, wait. We're human beings, not human doings. So our adequacy is being derived from a false template. We're not a doing. We're a being. Oh, wait. So, so margin is important. As a matter of fact, I, I, we, we lived for 12 years in Mandeville. We live in Covington out in the country now. And, and um, that's why I have an accent picking it up. <laughs> I'm holding it back. But so we have a butane tank. We, that's what we, we live, we're on butane. We don't have gas, central gas. We don't have, we're not connected. So I, a couple years, actually last year, because our fireplaces run on that. So I said, honey, I'm, we're going to get a big tank. And I said, let's get a, and we got a thousand gallon tank. All right, 1,000 gallons. So the guy comes up to fill it up, 1,000 gallon tank. And, and so he goes and he fills it up and he goes, I put 800 gallons in it. I got a 1,000 gallon tank. Why'd you put 800 gallons, man? You're gonna come right back out. He goes, you don't want me to put 1,000. Bad things happen when you put 1,000 gallons in a 1,000 gallon tank. What happens? 800's good, trust me. leave some margin because of the power of this thing and the butane. The okay, okay, okay. I'm understanding this. We do just the opposite. We want 1,100 in that thousand. Come on, are y'all with me or not? Fill that sucker up. Blow the whole region up. Isn't that right? Oh, we're smarter than them. Margin is what your limits are. You're carrying, watch this, less, not because you're passive. It's because you want to maximize when you are engaged. You want to have energy when you do do the will of God. Listen, this is not advocating passivity, and we're just going to sit around. We're aggressive, we're engaged, but we are engaged when we're engaged. The problem is when you lack margin, when you're engaged, you're actually not engaged. Paul said it this way. Pastor, did Paul have limits? Man, I hear preaching, Pastor, that I thought you're supposed to go for it. You are going for it. I teach you that all the time. I teach you step out in faith, maximize who you are, but maximize the capacity. You and I are judged based on what we did and who we became, and who we become is who we could have become. Not did we become like our neighbor because we were looking at their lives on Facebook and comparing ourselves with them. Look what Paul said. 
However, we will not boast beyond measure, but within the what? Everybody say the, the limits. The limits of the sphere which God has appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. In other words, Paul said this, I have limits. There's God-ordained boundaries in my life. And those boundaries in my life are based upon the fact that I know God has created me and God has anointed me and God has gifted me, but I want to stay within those limits. Now, I want to maximize those limits. I want to be a faithful steward to those limits. I want to maximize what God's given me, but I don't want to boast beyond those. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old. You, by, by this age, if, you're, if you have any level of self-awareness, you know what you're good at and you know what you're not good at. If not, you're just clueless. I don't say that to be disrespectful. It just, you're just like, wow, wow. So people will call, I would like pastor to counsel me. No, you don't. And I mean that because I'm too emotional. I get fired up. You know, I almost got in a fight with somebody counseling one time. I said, what did you say to her? I was like, and so I recognize my skill set. That's not my skill set. I can give counsel, but if I get too emotionally involved, I just, I just, I blow whistles on people. Pastor Doug is incredible. They don't fill up his schedule. There's lots of counselors around, but you know, he just sit there and rubs your hand. You're precious. <laughs> he does. He just makes you feel good. You're amazing. You're precious. I'm like, you need to change. <laughs> I'm just, is that all right? Can I just be honest? So, 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 so thank God for him. Let me tell you something. You know, we have what's called an, listen to me very close. We have an executive team. Ooh, fancy title. Most churches, let me tell you what this, not all, but most churches, pastors, pastor's team. Let me tell you the pastor's team is. That's those people around him that do what pastor can't get to. That's not what our team is. Our team is not filled with people that do things I can't get to it. I could really do it, but I don't have the time of the day. So I need some people to help. No, 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 no. Our executive team are men that are gifted to do things, and we've got great women leaders in our church as well. Men that are happen to be on my personal team that are gifted in areas that I'm not. That I'm not. I can't do some of those things. Gary Borkstead, he's so brilliant, financial got MBA, CPA, he's brilliant. He's on our, he was over 1,200 people at Austria. I mean, he's an executive, he's a thinker. I'm like, let's do it. He's like, we don't have the money. I was like, don't worry about that. Let's do it. Guys, come on with Pastor. You know, he's, you know, he's always about it. So we pick on him a little bit because he's always, he's a processor. He's got all those numbers running through his brain. Process, process, process. So we were picking on him one day. By the way, God redeemed him. Let me tell you how. He's an Italian. <laughs> listen, listen. He's, he's an Italian, all right? So he's very, very excited about the fact he's Italian. So one day we had fun. We were just picking. We, we had fun, a lot of collegiality, a lot of fun. And so I went to Metairie. I was on Old Metairie. I was at Causeway. I, went, I started on Old Metairie Road. I called him. I said, Gary, you're not going to believe this. He goes, God just spoke to me. You are redeemed. He goes, what are you talking about? I know the blood of the cross. I said, I know that. But there's another thing. They've actually painted the columns under the interstate on Causeway, beginning on my, and the Italian flag. You are somebody. I told him that. He, <laughs> he was so excited. Look up here. Listen to me. Listen to me. I got three minutes. I'm going to close. The reason why God has given you strengths is he's also given you weaknesses. And once you recognize that you have strengths and weaknesses, you realize how much you need people. You're not the man. You're not the woman. You can't pull it off by yourself. You need people. And you need to humble yourself and submit yourself to other people to say, you know what? I have limits. I can do some things, but I can't do everything. We're going to talk about that this month. Number three, we'll close with this, understanding rhythms and seasons of life. Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the writer, says it this way. Here's what he says. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven, 
a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. Let me pause right there. Okay, for sake of time, this is important. Every single one of us need to understand that God works in seasons. The Bible was written with an agrarian mindset. Agricultural understanding. What does that mean? Any farmer, he or she knows that if you plant, the next day you don't reap. The problem is, is that we compare. Listen, here's the problem for so many of us, myself included, is we compare our lives when we're often in a season of planting with somebody else that's in a season of harvesting. And when somebody's in a season of harvesting, it looks totally different if you're planting. Worse, if you're plowing. If you're plowing and you're not even got to the planting yet stage. And you're plowing and you're plowing, but you don't live in that season forever. Some of you right now, you're in a season, you're in a, you just had a baby. That's a lot of, there's a lot of output, a lot of output, a lot. But you don't live in that forever. We have, to, we have to be very careful that we don't compare ourselves depending upon what their season they're in. We've got to learn to say no to other people when we're not in that right season to do what they're asking us to do. Let me give you an example. I, 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 we started this church, a group of us, 19 years ago. And I, for 20 years almost, been, you know, been involved building the church, preaching, teaching, open campuses, raising money, doing stuff, building teams, and just giving it everything. I've also had four children, two that are in college now, one that's going to be a senior, one that's going to be a freshman in college, one that's going to be a senior in high school, and then my precious little eight-year-old who's going to be in third grade. Listen to what I'm about to say, talking about seasons. We get in trouble. I want everybody to look at me at all the campuses. We get in trouble when we compare our season with other people's seasons. I'm telling you. And I had to make some decisions. This is for me. Now, I know there's other pastors that watch this, so this is for me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Okay, I want everybody to understand this. For me, the last 20 years, building Church of the King building my family, I didn't have the emotional capacity I knew to be able to write books the way that I know that I will. Because I knew the commitment level, if I wanted to write something well and good, I knew that it was going to take a lot of emotional energy and output. I had opportunity. I've had people uh, approach multiple times. But I knew that I couldn't for who I was in this, if I say season. So in other words, I had to be willing to say no to some things Listen, because every time you say no to something, you're saying yes to something else. Every time you say yes to something, you're also saying no to something else. You can't just have all yeses. Part of discerning when to say yes is what season are you in? What are you in? What is the season of your life? Are you in a plowing season, a planting season, or a harvesting season? Be careful you're not making decisions comparing yourself when you're in a planting season with someone else when they're in a harvesting. I want everybody to stand.